And welcome to Monday. It is February 5th. Michael Pelka with you on the Puro Pelka podcast. We will get into some of the headlines of the day. And then our friend Wendy Patrick, the attorney, author, public speaker, is stopping by. We're going to wander over to food court because amid all the political news, amid all the war news, amid all the depressing news, there's crazy news in the world of food. And the food court. So that's where we will be. Uh, So many things I want to get to today. And it was a busy weekend. If you join me on Radio Saturday Night, thank you. I'll be back on Radio Friday evening in Philadelphia on 1210 WPHT starting at 3 p.m. And then again Saturday night at 7 p.m. So stay tuned for that. There will be updates at puropelka.com. Over the weekend, the South Carolina primary happened. And... uh, For the Democrats, no shock, Joe Biden won. No shock at all. The Democrats didn't allow Robert Kennedy Jr. to be a Democrat challenger, so Biden cruised. And nobody really showed up. I think they had fewer than 4% of registered Democrat voters actually vote. Fewer than 4%. And why is that? Well, you know, there was no competition and... Many of them are actually planning on trying to vote for Nikki Haley in the GOP primary because in South Carolina, you don't have to be a registered Republican to vote in the GOP primary. You just can't vote in both. So a lot of them were encouraged to lay back and then come and vote in a couple of weeks when it's time for the uh, Republican primary. We'll see what happens there. I will tell you this, interestingly enough, On Saturday Night Live, and I know you all heard Nikki Haley showed up on SNL this past weekend, and of course to trash Trump, it's it's bizarre to me that the left wants Nikki Haley to be the GOP candidate. They hate Trump so much. They're so crazy. They want Nikki Haley to be the candidate, but many of the polls show that Nikki Haley does better against Joe Biden than Donald Trump. Hmm. I wonder. Uh, But uh, Saturday Night Live had, as I said, in their cold open, they had a quick appearance by Nikki Haley. But they also had some jokes slamming Joe Biden in the news segment in Weekend Update. And I I think this is an indicator, again, that Joe Biden's not going to make it to the ballot when it comes time for us to vote in, what is it, 274 days from now? i got to do the math on that. But uh, this was the opening of Weekend Update this past weekend. Well, just hours ago, President Biden won the South Carolina Democratic primary, barely edging out his closest rival, Time. (laughs) Now, that's a pretty, pretty direct hit on Joe Biden going right after his issue with age. But that wasn't the only joke they made in the political era. You know, they go back and forth a little bit. As you may have seen on your aunt's Facebook, many MAGA personalities are claiming that the Super Bowl is being rigged so that Kansas City wins and Taylor Swift can come onto the field with Travis Kelsey and endorse Joe Biden. Man, MAGA people have so many enemies to keep track of. You have to hate the NFL, Taylor Swift, Bud Light, Disney, Kristen Stewart for some reason, electric stoves, windmills, the concept of rainbows, and the green M&M. 
And you have to think that everybody in the government is a secret pedophile except for this guy dancing with Jeffrey Epstein. And then they show a video of uh, Donald Trump, and it's a, it's a tiny, like, two-second loop of Trump and Epstein to make it look like it's longer. But it's a, a, a Biden joke and then a few MAGA and Trump jokes. So they're, they're trying to, uh, I guess, trying to be fair and balanced. And then it's back to maybe a Biden joke. President Biden made a drastic change in his immigration policy, saying he would be willing to shut down the border if given the power by Congress. It's the kind of unexpected shift in direction Biden usually only makes in the middle of a sentence. <laughs> they slammed Biden's cognitive abilities and also mocked the border situation. Very interesting to me. This is a, a major change. I believe it's a major development. We'll see if this continues. But again, my prediction, I don't think they're going to let either one of these guys, the current leading candidates, on the ballot. The Democrats have to move uh, Biden out some way. And we'll talk about that because I have a theory. And the Republicans, well, you know, they, they want Trump. We want Trump on the ballot. But the lawfare currently being waged against the former president is just massive. And he's been putting up a really good front. We'll see where it goes. We, uh, we have to keep doing our, uh, our diligent prayer on this one. Uh, other things that we have to talk about, I did not watch the Grammys last night, so big deal. I don't care. Uh, if I like music, I'll listen to music. I'm not in the music business anymore, so I just don't care. I like what I like. You like what you like. That's good. And yes, I did watch the Tracy Chapman, Luke Bryan duo on Fast Car. And that was spectacular. That's what music is supposed to be. Now, the big story over the weekend should have been our response and uh, telling Iran to stop giving their proxies all of the power to go after our troops and our friends in the Middle East. It should have been that, but it wasn't. No, it's this uh, ridiculous bill that the Senate has put forth, and they're calling it, the media is calling it a border bill. It's not a border bill. It's not a border security bill. And you really can't call it all that bipartisan, can you? We'll see. We'll see if it passes through the Senate. The Senate seems to think they can do this. It's dead on arrival in the House. But what's in it? What's in this bill? 53% of the, quote, border security bill goes to Ukraine. 53% of the money allocated goes to Ukraine. It's not a border security bill unless you're talking about the Ukrainian border. It is $118.28 billion in supplemental spending, means we're going to have to borrow it in order to spend it, which is not good. And 53%, $60 billion goes to Ukraine, goes right back to Ukraine. $14 billion in security assistance for Israel. $2.4 billion to the U.S. Uh, Central Command operations to address, you know, money in combat expenditures as related to keeping the peace in the Red Sea. $10 billion in humanitarian assistance to provide food, water, shelter, medical care, etc. In, uh, in the West Bank and Gaza, as well as Ukraine and other populations in conflict. So now we have assistance in aid in the amount of $10 billion going to Gaza, Ukraine, 
and just open-ended other populations. $4.3 billion to key regional partners in the Indo-Pacific area to deter aggression by China. How about we just tell China, cut it out? How about you tariff the hell out of them like Donald Trump wants to do? Kind of a big number. $2.33 billion to continue support for Ukrainians who were kicked out, displaced by Putin's war. So now that's additional money to support Ukrainians who are probably here, right? That's where that's going. $2.33 billion. I'm looking at this enormous saying, well, we're going to spend another billion here and there to help our homeless veterans. No, that's not in there. So maddening. They also uh, talk about the bipartisan, and just such an irritating term to see that, border policy changes negotiated with Democrat Chris Murphy, uh, independent Kirsten Cinema. She's only an independent because her party kicked her out, the Democrats kicked her out, and James Lankford of Oklahoma. I wonder if he's going to get a challenge the next time he's up. And now here we have a $20.23 billion to address existing operational needs, expand capacities at our nation's borders, and resource new border policies included in the package to help stop the flow of fentanyl and other narcotics. They call this the Fend, Fend Off Fentanyl Act. Ugh. Now, we know we need to stop the fentanyl, but you stop the fentanyl by stopping the cartels from crossing our border just with, without any, any resistance at all. Eight plus million illegals have invaded our country since this guy took office, since Joe Biden became the president. And this is the best border deal you can come up with. Yeah, Biden could have stopped this if he had just reversed all of the things that he undid on the first uh, day or two in office when he reversed all of the Trump policies. But in this, uh, in this border deal, they're also talking about immediate work permits for the people here illegally. Immediate work permits. Think about that. Yeah, I know. The Democrats need their vegetables picked. That's what we heard from Jerry Nadler. He needs those, although it doesn't look like he's ever had a vegetable. Uh, in this bill as well, taxpayer-funded lawyers for the illegals. We're going to be building a bigger federal government. 5000 a day allowed to come in before it's called a crisis. Now, back when Barack Obama was the president of the United States, his, um, his Homeland Security Secretary... Jay Johnson said that 1,000 immigrants a day was a crisis. This allows for 5,000 before we go, hey, there's a problem here. And Biden still has the authority to waive any shutdown at the border if, if he thinks that it's, it's a, a very important crisis that has to be handled. If we, he thinks we need to let more people in. Another billion plus for shelters, for FEMA. $60 billion, as we said, going to Ukraine, $14 billion to Israel, $10 billion for humanitarian aid to Gaza, yada, yada, yada. It's a gigantic bill, but it really doesn't fix the problem. Bill Malusian over at Fox is reading the bill, 300-plus pages, and uh, he said, look, this also authorizes $933 million to go to FEMA immediately for uh, NGOs, non-governmental organizations, and municipalities, that's almost a, a billion dollars going right to these NGOs, which are getting very fat 
helping these people cross the border and then placing them around the country. And there's another 350 million authorized only if ICE increases their detention capabilities to 46,000 plus and has hired two more, 200 more deportation officers. Uh, This is just a crazy bill. I'm hoping it's dead on arrival, as Speaker Johnson has said. I'm hoping, I'm praying it's dead on arrival, and it should be. It's a gigantic waste of time, but this is all about politics. And the Democrats are going to say, no, no, we, we, we tried to fix the border, but those evil Republicans wouldn't let us do that. It's crazy. It's crazy, crazy, crazy. Elon Musk weighed in over the weekend saying, hey, uh, you know, I'm pro, pro-immigration, legal immigration, and even increasing it uh, significantly. Quote, I'm not anti-immigration. I'm just against a massive number of unvetted people flooding into America, which any rational person should be, close quote. That's a great line. And he is spot on there. And he's so accurate. I I was watching 60 Minutes last night. I don't know if you saw the segment. It's about a 15-minute segment about how the border is porous. And it also pointed out that many of the people coming across the border are from China. Many of them are military-age men. There are women in there, too. There are very few families. But they all appear to be wearing, like, new clothes and carrying new luggage. But 60 Minutes laid out how they got to the entry points these holes in these, these fences along our border, the, the points where they then just surrender to Border Patrol. We wondered how all of these migrants knew about this particular entryway into California. The answer was in their hands. Oh, you learned on TikTok. <laughs> TikTok is a social media platform created in China. The post we found had step-by-step instructions for hiring smugglers and detailed directions to that hole we visited. We were struck by just how orderly and routine it all seemed. The migrants walked about a half mile down a dirt road and waited in line for U.S. Border Patrol to arrive so they could surrender. So a couple of things. 60 Minutes, you really think you need to explain to your audience what TikTok is? You don't think they know? You don't think, you know, at least your audience probably watched the hearing last week when the CEO of TikTok was grilled and asked about why, why the, the TikTok version in China has none of the stupidity that the American TikTok version has. And that's truly what's going on. In, in China, they don't allow any of the stupid crap on TikTok. It's all about educating their kids. Here, it's all a a digital opiate. It's crazy. The border, I hope, will become one of the biggest issues going forward. The economy and the border. And I know what you're saying, but Mike, the economy, we have this great jobs report on Friday and Joe Biden's running around saying Bidenomics is working. Hmm. Is it? Is it? Since Joe Biden was sworn in, Overall, prices have increased 17.4%. Overall, that's everything. You know, gas, food, etc. Food's up 20%, over 20%. Rent is up over 18%. Electricity is up 24.3%. So there's your Bidenomics. 
And if you're pointing to the jobs, the jobs report, well, since June of, of 2023, so just about seven and a half months ago, since June, our economy has lost three million plus full-time jobs. More than three million full-time jobs have disappeared from our economy. All of the jobs created over the last year by this administration, they keep taking credit for creating jobs when they really don't, unless they're, you know, hiring in the government. But all all the jobs created over the last year were part-time or government. And government jobs subtract value from the economy because they're not generating revenue the way private sector jobs are. And of the part-time jobs created... Reported in ZeroHedge.com, which you should check out, the majority went to undocumented residents. Think about that. And the number of Americans working more than one job at a record high. This is Bidenomics on display. The number of Americans working multiple jobs right now is at a record high. It's amazing. Absolutely amazing to me. And the uh, mainstream media is not reporting it. You know, remember, they're reporting that the, the uh, bill that was put out this week is a bipartisan border deal. It's nothing to do with the border. Or a little teeny tiny bit of doing with the border. Right there, just a little bitty tiny bit doing with the border. It's um, very troubling, to say the least. I... I know, I know, you're saying, Mike, you got to calm down. No, no, I don't. I don't. A couple of crazy stories I want to get to before we get Wendy Patrick in here, our friend Wendy Patrick, the attorney, author, public speaker. She's been out with us so many times, but you've probably seen her on TV a lot lately. She's been out with Trace Gallagher a lot over on Fox and uh, Court TV, I think. Uh, There's a wild story out of Colorado. Now, Colorado's been in the news because... The migrants, the illegal invaders in Colorado, are really straining the system there. So they're going to be having to find more money to pay for everything. They need more tax revenue. So there is a new bill in the Colorado House, Bill 241163, which um, just crosses into a new level of stupidity when it comes to big government and big taxes. And if this happens, if this goes forward, and we'll keep our eyes on it, it will be adopted in every blue state in the country. It's the most outrageous tax I have ever seen. This is a tax that would um, charge each person who has a pet $8.50 a year for their pet, for each pet. So if you're a crazy cat lady and you have 10 cats or you're a dog hoarder and you have three, four, five, 10 dogs, it's $8.50 per year per pet. And this includes all animals, all animals, even invertebrates. And the tax, again, is an annual tax. Now, here's where it gets really weird and wacky. You are required when you pay this tax to register the animals with the state and assign a designated caregiver. Not my idea. That's their term in the bill. Quote, designated caregiver. The name of a caregiver must be there 
or the tax increases to $25 a year. And there's no cap on a per per household type of maximum taxation. And uh, it doesn't even tie into like your local dog licensing fees. Now, how crazy is this? Let's say you're one of those people who's got a giant aquarium in your home. You got a bunch of fish in there. Yeah, you got 50, 100 fish in there. You could be paying 850 bucks a year if you have 100 fish. And if you don't designate a caregiver for each fish, well, now that's $2,500 annually for the fish tank tax. Uh, It's amazing. If you have 20 assorted dogs, cats, hamsters, parakeets, etc., uh, you, you'll be up to um, $170 or 500 bucks a year, you know, if you don't have the designated caregiver. This is nuts. This is absolutely nuts. And they're not just talking about dogs and cats. The bill actually lists a pet animal and defines it as a dog, a cat, a rabbit, a guinea pig, a hamster, a mouse, a rat, a gerbil, a ferret, a bird, a fish, a reptile, amphibian, invertebrate, or any other species of wild or domestic or hybrid animals six months of age or older that is sold, transferred, or retained for the purpose of being kept as a household pet. Madness. It is madness. Yeah, it's out there, and it's happening. I wish we were kidding. I'm not. Not kidding at all. Uh, I, need to, um, I need to calm down, so I need to have some fun. And we, we got to talk about some of the crazy stuff going on in the, the other part of the legal world. And that's why I reached out to our friend, Wendy Patrick. As I said, attorney, author, musician, all around just great person. We've talked to Wendy pretty much every week for the past five years. And uh, Wendy and I have developed this thing called Food Court, where we're looking at all the wild cases that uh, tie into fast food, restaurants, just food in general, snack food, etc., so she's joining us today, and this is weird because, you know, this is like the first time I've talked to Wendy in 2024. Wendy, how did we let a month go by? How did we let it get this late in the game? How did this even happen? Why did we let a month go by, Wendy? Please explain. You know, Mike, I, our schedules have just gotten crazy. I don't know what it is at the beginning of the year. Everybody wants you to do things, and there's conferences and schedules, and it's almost like all that dead time at the end of December. We make up for it at the beginning of January. Yeah, it, it happens for you. I usually get really quiet, but I'm looking, and I see you're on Fox with Trace Gallagher, then you're over on Court TV talking about <laughs> stuff. So I, I had a slack time. Wendy Patrick had much, much desire to have her Wendy on show. So I'm glad I'm glad you've been busy. That makes me happy. Oh, thank you, my friend. It's always a pleasure to join you, though. There's no shortage of things for us to have been talking about. And I saved a couple of things specifically in food court. Can we go to food court today, Wendy? Oh, you bet. You bet. Let's do it. All right. Well, one of the real interesting stories, and it's not brand new, but I think it's still an important story is the story of the two Starbucks baristas who were victims of an armed robbery at the store and they fought back and it was a pretty, pretty nasty fight back and forth. And one of the guys looks like he got cracked on the head. I think the, the bandit brandished a pistol and pistol whipped him and he fought back. And now both these guys got fired because they violated 
company policy that says, you know, don't don't engage, just basically hand them the money. But um, I, I, I'm just wondering when you're attacked and the company policy says, no, you can't fight back. But maybe the state says you can stand your ground. Uh, Wendy, do do company rules override uh, state laws? Well, remember, they exist side by side, you know, and that's the tricky thing when you have an employee in danger who wants to defend themselves or protect other people. You know, they may act in ways that are completely legally permissible, but run afoul of company policy. And you did see Starbucks make a statement here. Uh, they were, of course, they say deeply disturbed to learn of this frightening incident. You know, we would say, yeah, you think armed robbery, like you say, pistol lift. I, I like your use of the term bandit. You're, you and I are showing our age. We grew up with the you know, cops and robbers <laughs> and bandits. Yes. But th- I mean, this is a terrifying incident. Um, and as you can imagine, there's going to be a lawsuit filed by lawyers that are representing, you know, at least one of these two young men um, who one of them went on Fox News and talked about, you know, he was saving his money for paramedic school, looking for a new job. And it really makes uh, young people looking for jobs. It gives them pause. Think about, could you envision getting a job in an area that maybe, you know, isn't the best area, or maybe it happens to be an area that is frequently targeted, um, and maybe the laws aren't enforced as well as you would like them to be. You know, there's so many cities that we're now hearing about crime rates going up. If you have a job in a city like that, you could find yourself in this kind of a dilemma where you're personally attacked and you fight back or you defend somebody else and you worry about losing your job because Starbucks, for example, had this compliant de-escalate policy, as you mentioned. Um, And it's, you know, it's a sign of the times. And I would be surprised if other companies won't be watching lawsuits like this, rethinking their own policies. Yeah, you don't want to be the uh, test case, as you like to say, in Starbucks. That's, that's always my legal advice, yeah. be the test case. <laughs> in this incident, incident, Starbucks may be the test case for this because, as you said, there are no doubt a bunch of attorneys ringing these guys saying, hey, you got fired unjustly, let me take your case. And if, right. if the state has to stand your ground law and you stood your ground and then you got fired, I... I tend to think a jury might be pretty sympathetic to that we will see we'll watch this one and give updates on it but while we're talking about this wendy and people not feeling safe out there in california there's a couple of situations in oakland which uh caught my attention in the food court one of them being um in and out burger which a lot of people love and they're closing their only shop in Oakland because they say it's just not safe for the employees, for the customers, and they're closing up and getting out. And then a a restaurant that's been in Oakland forever, like 54 years, a Denny's is closing and moving out. And, and I'm just wondering with all the politicians saying, hey, you can't go, you can't leave us without restaurants. <laughs> Um, uh, I'm sorry, you're you're not allowed to tell us where we can and can't operate, are you? Yeah, you know, these two restaurants, I mean, we love In-N-Out Burger and Denny's. I mean, these are two staples that just show up in so many cities. I mean, I don't know if you've got one in your jurisdiction, Mike, but, you know, where I live, the line to go through the drive-thru at In-N-Out and, you know, snakes onto the street and blocks traffic. I mean, it is so popular. 
So you can imagine the people that live in that area, they're just devastated to hear that restaurants that as beloved as In-N-Out and Denny's are leaving. But there's that customer safety concern as well as safety for the employees. You know, we just got done talking about the baristas. Walmart employees are, are notorious for complaining about public safety. So too with any kind of store, whether it's a Target or a CVS or whatever it is, where the laws aren't enforced, I mean, that could be a death trap for them, depending on where in the store they work and whether or not they have access to panic buttons. And so these two restaurants just thought, you know what, we got to pack up and leave. I mean, hopefully they're going to relocate, but you just can't operate in a section of town that is so dangerous. That you just it, in the balance, you've got to you've got to move. And by the way, uh, what In and Out Burger talked about is car break-ins and robberies, as well as other crimes. Wow! So this is the kind of thing that just makes you think: can can they not find a way to protect these areas to where you can actually have uh, these mainstream stores? Because if you take them all out, I mean, you know, that impacts the value of the neighborhood as a whole, as well as the people that live there. Yeah, you mentioned Walmart employees as well. Yeah. There is not a Walmart in the city of Oakland. Think about that. Oh, jeez. That's yeah. You know, we want we want more big box stores to locate in areas where we need them. Obviously, I mean, you know, you and I have done segments on you don't want to bankrupt all the mom and pops, but you also want to be able to at least have access to buy what you need. And if you live in a jurisdiction that is just becoming so dangerous that you don't have any of the stores you recognize, well then that might make it even more dangerous. So just one of those, one of those things that we're following, uh, again, you mentioned Oakland, in these big cities that have really sort of fallen from grace that used to be so safe and popular. And now, you know, all of the stores that we know and love are gone. It's kind of scary. Yeah. Wendy, I have to move us back into food court in Florida because there's a, uh, a, a big story. The final story we'll cover in food court this week. Uh, this uh, class action suit that is being proposed by a consumer who is saying that uh, the Mars Candy Company, confection company, the people behind those little combos, baked pretzel snacks, that uh, apparently the cheese in the snack isn't cheese. How legitimate is this one? You know, it's great because um, those combos, I mean, as you know, I travel a lot. I see those in the airport all the time. They look delicious. I never thought they had any real cheese in them. So I was actually surprised to hear that they had 2% cheese blend. (laughs) But, you know, you and I have talked about some of these mislabeling uh, questions as well. Do you really believe that a product that you buy that looks like a pretzel, it's not refrigerated, how much real cheese does it really have? And is that the reasonable expectation that consumers have when they purchase something like this? Or do they just think they're buying comfort food? But as you mentioned, it's a class action. Uh, and they, you know, you know, lots of these cases end up towards settlement. They don't actually go to a jury. But this is another one of those that you just wonder whether uh, most people buying this product like me, really thought that they were buying it for the nutritional value, or did they just have the munchies? Yeah. <laughs> were they just sitting in an airport and thought, you know what, I could go for a little bit of a snack right now? Uh, and they're always prominently displayed, but you don't go for a product like this to try to get nutritional value. And you can use the word cheese, but most of the time, if you look at the ingredients, what do you see? Natural and artificial flavors, whatever that means. 
Yeah, that makes me very nervous. But when you, like you said, <laughs> when you look at the packaging, there is a block of freshly grated cheddar cheese right there. And you're thinking, right the oh, they just finished grating that cheese and stuffed it in those combos for me. And now I'm going to enjoy it while I wait in this packed airport to get on my plane. Well, you know what? That is probably the best argument. Not only is that that cheddar cheese uh, prominently displayed, and it looks just delicious, but right above it, it says filling made with real cheese. Real cheese is all in caps. So that's the counter argument. You know me, I like to argue both sides of everything. His argument is, look at this. I mean, it could not be more prominently displayed that you are buying a product that is made with real cheese. And that, and, and then right below where it says combo stuff snacks, it says cheddar cheese. So that is the kind of marketing that the lawyers representing this man and anybody else that joins the class would argue is uniquely deceptive that it is front and center displayed that this is what you're buying. So you would not expect that the only cheese in that product is 2% cheese mix. So, you know, it's one of those that probably will lead towards settlement. But I would also say how many products out there follow lawsuits like this to see, you know, where's the line? Are we going to move the goalposts? How much can you prominently allege that a or at least display a particular ingredient on the cover to make it be deceptive? That's the legal question. Yeah. In the end, there, as you said, there'll probably be some settlement. So anyone who joined the class of this class action lawsuit will get a coupon, but is it going to be a coupon for more combos? Because then you're just going to be aggrieved again. I, I don't know, but I'm betting the big change here, as you so correctly identified, Wendy Patrick, is going to be in the packaging. And other, other products will take a look at how they're packaging and promoting their products and maybe get closer to the truth. And wouldn't that be a good thing? Isn't that always a good thing to get as close to the truth as you can, right? Let your yes be yes, your no be yo, and tell the truth. Absolutely, because the truth <laughs> has no agenda. It just has truth real will set you cheese. Free. The truth yeah. will set you free. Amen, <laughs> Sister Wendy. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you, Wendy Patrick. I encourage everybody, you have to follow Wendy. She's got great stuff on Twitter, X. It's uh, at Wendy Patrick, PhD. Uh, you can see links to her articles she writes all the time in Psychology Today. And you'll probably see her on Court TV. You'll probably see her again on Fox. And you'll probably hear her with me. Thank you, my friend. Thanks, Mike. And there she goes. <sighs> the food court is fun. It should be a TV show, right? It should. It needs to be on TV. Dan, if you're listening... You want to buy the food court? We've already got it ready to go. All right. Um, wrapping up today's podcast. Tomorrow I'll be back with more updates on everything that happened today. We'll find out if there's any other breaking news uh, about this bill. I refuse to call it a border bill. I just won't. It's not a border bill. It's, um, it's a way to get more Democrats in the country. That's truly what it's about. But we'll be up on uh, all of it, and uh, you can find out. Just go to pureopelka.com to see where I'm going to be hosting on radio this week, pureopelka.com. It's a wonderful place. Till next time, testudo, my friends. Testudo.